Whakaukoko there, and welcome to the re-wrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB and a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning we got CRL on to talk about CRL today. Mike talked about climate change. He's turning into Leighton Smith before my very eyes. Uh, we're a wealthy little country, uh, especially now that we've managed to get on the wealthy country list, uh, and the Wellington vote. Uh, what was wrong with it? But before any of that, uh, Sky City Fire. It wasn't a story, apparently. Can I just say, the Sky City Fire, by the way, appears to be out. This is coming to us from the Auckland uh, Mayor Phil Goff. Says civil defence has told him the blaze has been extinguished. Can I make an observation on this? I just wonder, and I'm doing this out loud for the first time at the risk of getting up some people's noses, uh, I just wonder if we completely lost the plot on the coverage of this. And it was a, a major fire, of that there is no question. But the media, once again, seems to have lost all sense of proportionality and rational thought around it. And it was not like a fire in California where there are hundreds of thousands of acres and you know not how much more. Uh, In other words, it was never out of control. It was in a contained area. Uh, There weren't people's vast numbers of people's lives at risk. Uh, Houses weren't getting burned, etc. In other words, it was a contained, a large contained fire Uh, in a downtown area of a major city, and we seem to think that that was the most important thing in the entire world for the last 48 hours, and I just think we completely missed the point and lost the plot. Mike, don't you understand? This was our Notre Dame. And this, this is the thing. Can I make this suggestion, at the risk once again of getting up the nose of some of my colleagues? My suspicion is this. The media struggles to cover the media well because the media is fascinated with the media. And so that's why the media covers the media to an extent it doesn't warrant. And and when a story affects the media, and this story did affect the media because one part of the media is next door to the building, literally, and us, we're just round the corner. So we can walk to the story. Walking to the story is a very easy thing to do. So we send lots of people to walk to the story. Second of all, when the smoke comes through the air conditioning system, we think we're part of the story. Therefore, it becomes bigger in our minds than it is to the rest of the world. It is just a fire in a building that was contained and is now out. There are some long-term consequences and questions to be asked. Clean-up, cost, insurance, uh, the ability to hold APEC. They're all valid reasons and things to cover. But the actual fire and the energy that was put into just a fire in a building over a period of 48 hours, I think we went completely nuts. You make a very good point about the living and breathing it, though, literally, (laughs) because... And now I'm thinking that perhaps there's an opportunity for a new positioning statement for us. Which is? News Talk ZB. Inhaling the news. And, you know, the, the way Mike dismisses coverage of various stories and claims that stories aren't stories, I, I wonder if this is just a clever plan on his part not to do any work. And if it is, I'm in favour of it. Um, now, uh, one story we have been following pretty closely is uh, compensation for the businesses adversely affected by the construction of the city rail loop in Auckland. Uh, here's the company uh, that were responsible for that. They came into the studio, and it turns out that they're doing everything they can. It might be the government to blame. What do you know? Just to reiterate, to make this nice and clear, under their rules and regulations, this guy running CRL, he, he operates within his law, his remit, his orbit. So it happens... 
and this is what becomes clear now, the company that's being offered to have their lease bought out, it happens that CRL can use it. Good luck to them. Good luck to the person who happens to be in the right place at the right time with the lease. Uh, the pop-up, that's a possibility they can make work. The food truck is still possible. There's a number of food operators in that particular part of town that will materially benefit if they can contract a food truck. There's hundreds of construction workers there every day. They get a contract, buy lots of food. Those are the material things they can do. So when the businesses, and they've got to own a little bit of this themselves, if the businesses want nothing more than compensation, in other words, you're ruining my business, people don't come through my door, I want a cheque that was never in the remit of CRL, that was in the remit of Phil Twyford. Phil Twyford either has to front up and go, listen, we can look at it, or we can't. One or the other, it's a simple decision. This has gone on for months on end, and there is no reason to believe it needs to go on beyond this week. It's either a yes or no. Yes, we'll compensate you, or no, we won't. It's his decision, his call at the end of the day. As for the Prime Minister and the business of having several, I'd love to tell you about several stories. That was clearly just stuff that was fed to her by Twyford when she asked questions, knowing she was going to get grilled on this programme. So next stop, Twyford, because the ball stops at his door. Uh, and whether or not he compensates these businesses and whether or not the businesses can look beyond basic compensation or whether for them that's it, take it or leave it. So um, once we get, can we get Twyford on? What do you reckon? You think we get Twyford on? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Anyway, the invitation fill is always there. How could he say no? Um, we might even uh, make him a coffee. We can afford it, apparently. And yes, it is true to say, internationally, the rich are getting richer, and that is the case here as well. But not disproportionately, and that is the key. The gap is not that wide. And yet, if you're looking at the headlines and the campaigns, you'd be left thinking, this is not the egalitarian country it actually is. Most people in this country do do well. Most people in this country have assets and income and security. And the psychological aspect of that, I think, is interesting. It's, it's when you have something on a sustained basis, you start to see it as the norm. You start to take it for granted. And then you look to the minutiae, and that becomes a problem. That's where we get debates around the power bill being too high or the price of veggies going through the roof. I mean, the debate we have around avocados every year is really the debate of a wealthy nation with too much time on its hands. A welfare state, which is getting increasingly comfortable, smooths out the imbalances. And for all the headlines we get about so-called poverty and deprivation and despair, if we put a little of that into global context, even if we compare it to fellow first world nations, there is a very good reason Fred Dagg said we don't know how lucky we are. It's because we don't. This report doesn't tell you everything, of course, no report can. But what this report does do is reassure those of us who have a positive view of the country that we really are boxing a mile, mile above our weight. And for those who argue it's not that flash, you're wrong. And the numbers back it up. Yeah, I was just thinking how rich I felt. Weren't you? Come on, of course you were. You weren't? Um, now, were you thinking that this climate change thing has also got way out of hand? And now I, now I sound like Leighton Smith. It all started originally, if you think about it, with coal, fossil fuels, reducing emissions, big picture ideas to allegedly reduce our footprint and save the planet. It's rapidly turned into making travel ugly. It's turned into infiltrating every aspect of our lives and asking whether basically getting out of bed in the morning is bad for the planet. And with this obsession, surely has to come some sort of health warning for those taking this seriously. And I'm not, by the way, of course. Surely it can't be good for you to be this obsessed, this negative. There's a bloke on leave in Britain and he's one of a growing number, who was on the news the other night, he has a mental health condition brought on by Brexit. This is how mad we are. Are we seriously saying all that we've achieved, 
All the modern wonders of the world, of which flight is one of the greatest, that's all over. Or what's the alternative to, to ration flying, maybe? To make it so expensive, it's only for the wealthy. To ban some sorts of travel, like trips to Denarau or the Gold Coast, because they're frivolous. As opposed to travelling to, say, Zurich for a very important climate conference. Forget all the economic fallout of this, of course, zealots never work through the practicalities uh, because they're too obsessed with the planet. But the danger here is these people get airtime and space and papers, and they're no longer dismissed the way they once were. The inmates are taking over the facility. Madness, along with the crazed thought process, is increasingly common and gaining currency, and the rest of us need to wake up and push back, because if it's got this nutty in a year, by next Christmas you'll be going camping instead of to Bali, and the Koro Club will be an exhibit at Te Papa. I don't want to go camping at Te Papa. Is that what he meant? Um, I don't want to go camping, that's for sure. Uh, to be honest, uh, I wouldn't mind it at Te Papa. I've been to the toilet at Te Papa and the toilets aren't bad. Uh, every time I've been camping, the toilets have been horrific. Probably got a bit off topic, so let's um, move on to the Wellington vote. Uh, some of the numbers have come back uh, are disturbing. Yes, just to make this very clear, so Justin List, 193 Wellingtonians, 193 people voted for him, but those votes were deemed invalid. So you take the 193, and he only, he only lost by 62. Add the 193, and if they'd been valid, he would have won the election. So these, these numbers come to us, by the way, from Election NZ, these are the partial and formal votes. They're not votes. based in the Statistics House, are they? Uh, no, <laughs> not in Statistics House. I hope not. Uh, through the process of the, the STV, would have eventually fallen to Foster and Leicester, but they were eliminated because they were not filled out correctly. Foster wins the race by 62. There's another 296 votes that were never considered because they arrived too late to be counted. And once all the votes were counted, the margin whittled down from 503 down to 62. Also, 87 votes deemed invalid for reasons such as ticking the boxes, multiple boxes, rather than putting numbers in. So you put a tick and not a number in. So there's... So, so to, just to summarise, yeah. you've got a bunch of people who are illiterate. Yes. Uh, a bunch of people who are tardy. Yes. And a bunch of people who've got serious motor skill issues. Correct. Welcome to democracy. Um, well- and so if you'd included all of those people... <laughs> I don't know. The interesting thing about it is it's, it goes to this referendum we're going to have on euthanasia and cannabis as well. Uh, turnout. What are you voting on? On the, on the referendum for euthanasia, what is it you're voting on? You're voting on the law. What's in the law? Do you know? Will you read it? Will you have a true understanding? Or will you simply turn up and go, I'm for it or against it? You know the answer, obviously. Better, though, than that time we had the referendum on uh, can we have some harder sentences for crimes, please? It was pretty vague. The more I think about it, the dumber referendum sound. I am Glenn ZB. The more you listen to me, the dumber I sound. Uh, so uh, if you want me to sound really dumb, come back again tomorrow for more rewrap. I'll see you then. Yeah.